the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. <laughs> The Bickersons have retired. As usual, Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly while her husband, John, insomniac extraordinary, provides this audible testimony of his constant wakefulness. Let's listen. Oh, for the love of heaven, what is he doing? John! 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 Hmm? What's the matter with you? Hmm? You are making the most frightful noises. What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche? Are you in pain? I've got a terrible headache. Haven't slept a wink. You've been sleeping like a felled ox. Shh. Head aches. You wouldn't have such a headache if you didn't make so many cocktails before dinner. Why do you do that, John? Always do it. Why? No good to eat on an empty stomach. Put out the lights, Blanche. The lights are out. How would you know anyway with that sleep shade on? Well, something's flashing in my head. Ow! Take an aspirin. Okay. Hmm, feel better already. How can you chew those things like that? Wash it down with something. All right. <sighs> John Bickerson, you washed it down with bourbon. You lied to me. You got the lights on. Yes, I'm going to keep them on. Sit up. I want to talk to you. Please, Blanche, I can't sit up. My head will fall off. Why do you always have to talk in the middle of the night? When else can I talk to you? You come home for dinner and bury your head in the paper. Never a word out of you. And you tell me you've got to go to bed early because you have insomnia. Well, I have. It takes me hours to fall asleep. It took you all of 30 seconds tonight. Well, this was a good night. Good night. John... John! Hmm? I went over to see the Marvin's new baby this afternoon. It's a beautiful child. Do you know their first one is over a year old? I hope so. He's been walking since he was eight months. He must be awful tired. I am too. Children are such a blessing. It's wonderful to watch them grow up. You'd be surprised how many childless couples are adopting children. I'd better have another aspirin. Boy, have I got a headache. Mm. John? Hmm? Don't you miss the patter of tiny feet around the house? No, I don't, Blanche. Children are wonderful, all right, but you have to be able to afford them. All this talk of adopting. What the devil is that? 
What's what? That. Put the lights on. John. Blanche, don't tell me that you went out and... It's and only a dog, silly. A, a dog? What do we need dogs for? I got for? a little puppy. Where's the aspirin? What did you get a dog for? Now, don't get hysterical. Where is the little beast? I can hear it, but I can't see it. He's right there, in the bureau. I've got him in your shirt drawer. You put him in there with my shirts? He won't suffocate. The drawer's open. Blanche, you know I'm allergic to dog hair. It gives me sinus trouble. Where's the aspirin? You are just a big hypochondriac. You imagine those allergies like you do your insomnia. I tell you, I'm allergic to dogs. They make me... make me... Get rid of that thing. He'll whine all night and keep me awake. The man said he'll keep quiet if you give him one of those worm pills. Well, where are they? On the night table by your bed. How do you give a dog... Where... They're on the night table by your bed. There's nothing here except the aspirins. The aspirins are in the medicine cabinet. How can they be in the... Blanche, what have I been eating? No wonder my headache won't go away. Why do you do these things to me? Send for a doctor. Don't carry on so. If they're good for a dog, they won't hurt you. Go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. Here I am dying from dog poisoning. My, my head is splitting. She knows I'm allergic to dogs, hides the aspirin, and makes... I don't know. Get up so early, never get another wink of sleep as as long as... John? John? Hmm? Gesundheit. Thanks. I can see how much sleep I'm going to get tonight. We'll have to get rid of the puppy. Now you're talking. I want you to take him down to the dog pound. Okay, I'll do it on my way to work. You go in the opposite direction. Well, I'll go out of my way. You say it, but you won't do it. You better take him now. What? Go on, get up, take the puppy to the dog pound. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's after two in the morning. They're open all night. Go on, get up and take him. Well, I've never heard of such a thing. You know I went to bed with a splitting headache and had to take a dozen worm pills to fall asleep. You'd take the dog to the pound quick enough if Gloria Gooseby asked you to. How do you always manage to work the conversation around a Gloria Gooseby? Well, if you wouldn't shout so much, maybe the puppy would be able to sleep. What's the use? Good night. I thought it would be nice to have a little dog, especially when we move into our new apartment. Still have a year to go on this one. Our lease expired on Friday. I renewed it yesterday. I canceled it this morning. Amos is raffling off the apartment for me. That's a good idea. Amos is what? Amos sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece, and the winner moves into our apartment tomorrow. Oh, Blanche, no. I... I don't believe it. We'll be on the street. Amos said he'll find us a new place in a jiffy. Jiffy? Haven't you heard there's a housing shortage? Where would he find a place? Well, I bought a ticket myself. It's a wonderful chance. Lovely three-room apartment, large kitchen, big closets. It's worth $2, and we might get it. Get it? We've got it now. I know. But even if we didn't win, we get the $1,000 Amos collected for the rest of the tickets. Look, Blanche, I gave the landlord a $1,200 bonus to renew the lease. So now I'm out $200 and I've got no place to live. Sounds like pretty poor business to me. Why do you make such deals? Now look, Blanche... The trouble with you, John, is that you are too conservative. Look, Blanche... If you'd pick up some of the deals that Amos has, we might be able to live as nicely as he does. Blanche... He's been living at the Biltmore Hotel for a year. He sleeps on a billiard table. Look out. Where's my slippers? What are you going to do? Let me get to that phone. I'll show... Ow! Ooh! Ooh! Put on the lights! The lights are on. Open your eyes. Oh. Here's here's the phone. 
I know it's going to ring, and I want to be ready when it does. Hello? Excuse me. Drop dead. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That wasn't Amos. I'll get it, I'll get it. Amos. Hi, Jacko. What are you doing up this time of night? Packing, Amos. We're moving, haven't you heard? Why aren't you going to invite me in? I'd like to look the place over. You mean... Yep, I won the raffle. Darndest luck I ever saw. Who drew the ticket, Amos? Fair and square. I wouldn't take a chance having some phony draw it, so I drew it myself. What a coincidence. Get out of here. What's the matter with you, Jacko? You got a thousand dollars coming, and if you're worried about a place to live, I'll rent you the garage. You haven't got a car anymore, you know. Get out of here before I hit you with a cleaver. Okay, Jacko. You don't have to get sore. You better give the money back to people you sold tickets to, or you'll have a lot of explaining to do. Not me, brother. You'll have to do the explaining. I'll tell them you won. Good night, Jacko. That guy will wind up on a chain gang as sure as... Was it Amos who won? I did. Now at last I can go to sleep in my own bed without worrying. No, you can't, dear. The dog's in there. But, oh, nuts. I'll sleep in the garage. Good night, John. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, best-selling author Rick Riordan um, has been uh, uh, has created a brand for authors who are well from a diverse perspective, and we'll get into that more with uh, with my guest this hour from the Rick Riordan Presents brand. We have a new book uh, from award-winning. Uh, author Yoon Ha Lee, who joins me by phone to talk about Tiger Honor. Hi, Yoon. Welcome to the show. Hello. I'm honored to be here. Let me ask a little bit about this. What do you mean when you refer to this book as a fantasy space opera with Korean mythology sprinkled in? By space opera, I mean that it's a story with starships and star bases and people living on multiple planets. So uh, the canonical space opera reference that everyone is familiar with is Star Wars. Star Wars, it's seven yeah. space, space ships everywhere, but also maybe not so um, 
not so tied to real world physics. You know, ships travel faster than light. In Star Wars specifically, there's a magical force called the Force. Um, when I wrote mine, uh, uh, my space opera, you have the big ship battles and the starships and people on multiple planets, but the magic comes from Korean mythology. So you have characters who are like Min, who's a fox spirit. She has the ability to change her shape and also to charm people into doing things that maybe they don't normally want to do. Um, you've got shamans who control uh, various types of magic. You've got dragons and tigers and shapeshifters. So it's set in space. It's set in the future, but you've got figures and um, types of magic from Korean folklore and religion who show up. And Yoon, this, this particular um, book, the, the story is told from the point of view of a non-binary tiger spirit, um, and, and thus the title, Tiger Honor. Um, what do you mean by that, a non-binary tiger spirit? Non-binary just means that they don't identify as male or female. They consider themselves outside of that binary. As for the tiger spirit part, Korean folklore has a lot of stories of tigers who disguise themselves as humans, usually because they want to, uh, usually because they want to trick children and eat, gobble them up. There's a lot of eating in Korean folklore. It was <laughs> a remnant dangerous time but they're able to have a human form um that of a 13 year old younger person but they also have a tiger form and in their tiger form they're really good at fighting i you know i don't think that that idea of um there being a lot of eating is unique to korean mythology but it's amusing to hear you characterize no, it, really it that way <laughs> um I think even you know even when you think about Hansel and Gretel and the oh yeah yeah the risks they uh, they faced from the witch, um, but in this um, honor plays a big role in this story. Um, is that something that is um, expressed in a, in a, uh, a, a somehow in a Korean way? I think it is. So honor is a tricky concept and it appears in, you know, very many cultures all around the world. But the form that I wanted to explore was specifically Confucianism, which comes from China, but had a huge impact on Korean culture. And one of the forms that Confucianism takes in Korea and similar cultures is respect for your elders. And my main character, Seven, has that. They really look up to the members of their family. They're the youngest tiger, so they really want to do what the adults say and to to bring honor to the clan. And they really admire their Uncle Juan, um, who turns out to have motives that maybe are not the purest. And so Confucianism has its good points and its bad points, like any other um, belief system. And the hard thing that I wanted to explore in this book was, what do you do when you've learned to respect your elders, but you have to do what is right, and these two things don't align? More with author Yoon Ha Lee. Straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nussel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author Yoon Ha Lee. Straight ahead. Was this something, um, the idea of doing a, a story with Korean mythology sprinkled in, is that something you've always done with your writing, and is that what caught the attention of, of Rick Riordan Presents? I would say that it's certainly what got Rick's attention. It's not something I've always done. And in fact, um, I got my start in writing uh, short science fiction stories in 1999. And I wrote characters, and they were all white people in space or white people in fantasy, you know, like the Middle Ages. And I did this because as a child growing up, all the, well, almost all the fantasy and science fiction I read mostly featured characters who were from Western backgrounds. And it never occurred to me that I could write characters that shared my background who were, who were Korean. And so when I wrote my adult trilogy uh, before Dragon Pearl, I said, why not have Koreans in space who eat kimchi instead of steak and potatoes? That was another thing. The the space uh, adventures I read always had people eating steak and potatoes. And I'm like, but there's more than one cuisine in the world. You know, there should be more variety than that. And uh, by the time... Uh, my former agent, Jennifer Jackson, let me know that Rick Riordan Presents was looking for more authors. I said to her, Jennifer, nobody else is going to pitch Korean mythology space opera. No one else is going to have this idea. Let's send it in and see what happens. And she sent it in, and my editor, Steph Lurie at Disney Hyperion, she can confirm nobody else sent in that specific idea, and that was how I got accepted to the Rick Riordan Presents family. How um, how much of your upbringing was influenced by Korean folklore? Because you talk a lot about sci-fi and, you know, basically white guys in space. And, and, and I just wonder how, how you ended up being exposed to the two concepts enough to just start wanting to blend them. Yeah, so I'm Korean-American. My parents were born and grew up in South Korea, and I actually spent half my childhood in South Korea. So, for example, in terms of representation in the media, I'm not fluent in Korean, but I would watch Korean TV, and it would be Korean historical characters or K-dramas or you know, uh, just Koreans being main characters. And my mother and my father and my relatives would tell me Korean folk tales. And I didn't, um, I didn't know a lot of the details of the cultural background. So I had to research that later. But I did grow up with a base of, you know, fox spirits are untrustworthy and they change shape i i grew up with those stories in my blood and then like the rest of us just got caught up in all of the the sci-fi that's out there yes absolutely were you a reader or or did you enter sci-fi through the movies 
You know, that's hard to say. I really loved reading, but I will say that my parents showed me um, the Star Wars trilogy when I was six years old. And I hope this is not a spoiler at this point <laughs> in time, but I was not prepared for Luke Skywalker's hand to be cut off. Like, that was super scary for six-year-old me. But I was also obsessed with Star Wars. Like, I had the storybooks. Um, I, I played at lightsabers. And then later on, I discovered um, literary science fiction. So stories by authors like Isaac Asimov, um, Anne McCaffrey, and I would read those books, and I, I just became entranced by this idea of other planets and other species and people living in the future. Did it seem like you had to um, really cross a, a, a huge chasm to connect sci-fi with Korean folklore? Or does it seem completely natural for... Um, binary tigers to be telling stories <laughs> in space. I think I think it's more natural than you would necessarily think on first acquaintance with the idea. Uh, so no, I'm serious, to... Yoon. I'm fascinated by this because I, like you, was exposed to all these these images of, you know, Leslie Nielsen and, you know, and I'm going way back to, you know, some even black and white um sci-fi right, right. uh, stuff, you know, even some of the B-movies. And, you know, it just seems like there's an archetype for an astronaut. And and mm-hmm. and I just, I love this idea that there are creatures of all kinds exploring the universe. Well, I got to thinking about this, and it's like if fox spirits and tiger spirits and goblins really existed, they wouldn't be stuck in a medieval tech level. They wouldn't still, well, they mostly wouldn't be using swords or doing agriculture the old-fashioned way. They would come into the present with us. They would be using cell phones. They would be listening to the radio. They would be on TikTok. They would have Twitter accounts. And if you extrapolate that into the future, there's no reason why these creatures, even though they have a mythological origin, even though they have a fantasy origin, why wouldn't they be using technology that enables them to fly through space or to settle on other worlds? So I kind of like to think of it from their point of view like what would they do if they lived in the future um you started out um writing shorter pieces um short fiction sci-fi and fantasy stories um was how, how tough was it to tackle that that first novel oh gosh it was really difficult because for perspective, one of my typical short stories is like 5,000 words long, and a novel is 80,000 to 100,000 words long. Uh, so there was definitely a learning curve in how to sustain a character arc or how to sustain a larger plot instead of just thinking in these 4,000, 5,000 word chunks of story. I kind of like to think of it as 
a short story is like a battle. It's a single battle. You're deciding a single dramatic moment in the character's story. But a short, but a novel is more like a campaign. It's a series of battles. You get to see, you know, you get to see the powers moving back and forth. You get to see the protagonist um, through a lot of ups and downs. And one of the things that I had to learn was how to conduct a campaign instead of a single battle and being really narrowly focused on one moment in the character's life as opposed to a larger chunk of their journey. Do you, um, do you have an idea for a story and then cast characters into it? Or, or do you start out with a group of characters and then come up with the kinds of things that might happen to them? I definitely tend to start with the concept. I have friends who are the other way around. They're very character focused, but I'm idea and plot driven. So I will come up with an idea and then go, gosh, what kind of character would naturally um, interface with this idea? What kind of character would naturally have the kind of adventures that would lead them to have this plot? And so that's the direction I approach it from. Yeah, who would this happen to? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, are you do do you outline fastidiously, or or does it sort of just pour out? Does do the stories tend to tell themselves? So do you know I what I mean do by that? Write outlines and the three points that I absolutely have to have before I get started on anything are the beginning, the midpoint, and the end, you know, sort of like my anchors for that story. And then I'll do a chapter outline that details what happens in every chapter. But I have to tell you, every single time I write a book, about four chapters in, I throw out the outline and start winging it. It just seems to be a compulsion. Because, you know, when you get right down to it, the outline is supposed to be a tool. And if I have a better idea or the character wants to go in a different direction, then I I would rather feel free to follow that instead of, be, you know, being shackled to the outline. How often does that, does that happen where um, the character sort of tells you where the story should go? Are you surprised when that happens? I used to be surprised when that happened, but <laughs> it pretty much happens to every book. So now I'm like, okay, well, this this is a thing. This is happening. I'm just going to go along for the ride. You know, you and I'm getting this picture of you sitting there, you know, with, with an idea in your mind of, of what this character looks like and having a conversation saying, okay, it's time to tell me where you want to go now. <laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely like that. I, I have found that if I make a statement about a character in chapter one, like they are very precise and good with details, three chapters in, they, they're they're going to be doing the opposite. It's like guaranteed. Are you a pretty disciplined writer or, um, or, or do you tend to binge write? Uh, I would say that I keep a quasi-routine. Like, I don't write at the same exact hours every day, but I write most days. Um, I have to take a few days off now and then because my brain needs thinking time. I'm not a fast thinker. So sometimes I get myself into a rut, and it's like, okay, it's my brain is telling me that it's time to figure out what's going on with this 
plot or these characters, and I just need some time to rest my brain and let the subconscious do its thing. Uh, I have found personally that doing the dishes is a great way to get unstuck on um, uh, get get unstuck on any sort of story problem. And you would think my husband would be happy about this, but he wants me to use the dishwasher. And for some reason, the dishwasher does not unstick me. It's specifically doing the dishes by hand. <laughs> if only you could get the dishwasher to suggest uh, ideas to you that would be great <laughs> um you in this this book just the by the very nature of the title tiger honor it it suggests that there are lessons to be learned what are some of the lessons that you hope people will take away from this story one of them is that you should hold on to your dreams and sort of Treat that as a compass north. For seven, that dream is becoming a starship captain. And they have to ask themselves, you know, what is it worth doing for this dream? But also, what should I not do for this dream? Because I think it's sometimes just as important to know what you're not going to do, not willing to do, things that you shouldn't do, as well as the things that you should do. The other thing that really comes up in Tiger Honor that I think readers of all ages will be able to relate to is the question of how far do you trust people? How do you know when to trust people? For Sabine, their uncle has been good to them um, for their entire life. You know, Uncle Juan is a loving uncle, and yet he shows a different face to other people who are not in his family circle. And the sort of multiplicity of identities and the way people are different ways to different people, that can be tricky for all of us to navigate. You, um, this this book, like uh, like Dragon Pearl, which was an award-winning uh, space opera in its own right, um, they're they're similar in some, you know, in in that respect. Are they connected in any way, or are these completely standalone books? So I would say Tiger Honor is a standalone. You don't need to have read Dragon Pearl, but it does take place after Dragon Pearl. And um, a couple characters from Dragon Pearl do appear in it, so there will be spoilers. That said, when I was living in South Korea, we never got book one of any series ever. It would always be like, oh, there's book three of a seven-book series, so we're just <laughs> going to buy that and like sort of pretend like we know what happens before and after. So I am totally down with people reading the books in either order. They, they've been written so that you can do that. Is Do you think of them as being part of a series, albeit very separate episodes? Yeah, I think it's sort of like um, uh, my publisher calls Tiger Honor a companion novel, which I think is a great way to put it. Like, if you enjoy Dragon Pearl, you'll like this one, too. But, you know, they, they are written to stand alone. And yeah, they, but then won't that, in- won't that make your next book jealous? It probably will. I guess I will have to, you know, jump that bridge when I come to it. Well, and and when do you think you will come to it? Is there another book in the works? Are you thinking of a of a third book? I actually have started writing the third book um, after Tiger Honor. 
And I started on January 1st, even though it was New Year's Day, because I was so eager to get to work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and what better way to start the year? Yeah, absolutely. See, I think that makes complete sense, but... You know, I'm 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 just like that, you. Um, so, how long does it take you to to knock out a book? Or with with these two, is it um, hard to tell a trend yet? I would say it takes me three to four months to write a book, um, mainly because of the thinking time I mentioned. Like, I I don't write super slow, but I don't write super fast either. I'm also what I call a vomit drafter, which means I just sort of (laughs) spew the word onto the page just to get the ideas out there. And then I do a ton of fixing and corrections and adjustments and revisions. That's just the way my process works. I have friends who, you know, they, they polish as they go and the book comes out perfect on the first draft, but I'm not that smart. I just need my revisions. In in the process of doing it that way, Yoon, do you ever write yourself into a corner? I absolutely write myself into a corner all the time. <laughs> and I've learned that um, I've learned to value that as part of my process because I'm also really creative, and it's when the characters are totally stuck and they don't see a way out. And I go wash the dishes, and I come up with an idea for how they get themselves out of that fix in a way that's you know, that isn't obvious, that the reader maybe hasn't seen coming. So I've learned that those are some of the best moments in my books, even though it's kind of nerve-wracking when it actually happens. Are you able now, as you begin to have some success with your writing, are you are you able to write full-time now? Yes, I've been writing full-time for the past couple of years, and I... I really value um, being able to give my full attention to my writing. I know that's something a lot of writers who um, are aspiring to be full-time but aren't able to make that leap yet. That's something that um, I'm very grateful for. And and how was that, how was that transition? I, I mean, were you just able to wake up one day and, and say, from now on, I just write? I was lucky enough that my husband has been very supportive of my writing career. And um, I have to tell you, when we bought this house, we specifically bought it so that we could make the mortgage payments on his income alone, because writing is one of those careers where, you know, it's not super stable usually. And so it was really through his support and his willingness to, I, I call him a patron of the arts. He's supporting a starving writer. <laughs> He's underwriting your books. I think yes, that's. Absolutely. I think that's. I think that's wonderful and and um, and a great way to to do it. I, I've talked to a number of writers that, you know, try and hold down a job and write when they can, and lunch hours, and get up early, and stay mm-hmm. up late, and, and it's tough. And and it's nice to be in the the position that you're in. Um. You and we're uh, coming up close to the end of our time, and and I want to make sure, as I do with all my guests, that I give you an opportunity to share with listeners where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? 
I do. It's at yoonhalee.com. That's Y-O-O-N-H-A-L-E-E.com. And I can also be found on Twitter with the handle Deuce of Gears, D-E-U-C-E-O-F-G-E-A-R-S. Well, Yoon, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much for spending this time with me and the listeners, and I wish you um, all the best with this uh, with this book. I wish you Happy New Year and uh, continued success. Happy New Year, and thank you so much for having me. Take care. Again, that was uh, Yoon Ha Lee, who is uh, the award-winning uh, author of Dragon Pearl, who has uh, now released a second, um, uh, well, another space opera, we'll say, and um, inspired by Korean mythology, this time told from the point of view of a non-binary tiger spirit. The book is Tiger Honor. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. My bags last night, three flights. Zero hour, nine a.m. And I'm gonna be high. I miss my wife It's lonely out in space On such a timeless Flight like this I think it's gonna be a long, long time Till touchdown brings me back around to find Not the man that think I am at all No, no, no I'm a rocket man Rocket man Burning out its fuse out hell on Mars ain't the kind of place to raise your kids 
In fact, it's cold as hell. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year, the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello! I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Whiplet Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Ellen Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed, the tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. 
collect these paper bags. And I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have them. Yes, one. Speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. I Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription today? And, and when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor. And your mother's doctor. And your college roommate's doctor. And your best friend from high school's doctor. And your babysitter's doctor. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Last night I met a man from Mars and he was very sad. He said, won't you help me find my girlfriend, please? So I asked him, what does she look like? And the man from Mars said, she's... Eight foot two, solid blue, five transistors in each shoe. Has anybody seen my gal? Blue sight nose, rust proof toes, and when her antenna glows, she's the cutest Martian gal. You know she promised me recently she wouldn't stray. But came the dawn, she was gone, 18 billion miles away. Her steering wheel has sex appeal, her evening gown is stainless steel. Has anybody seen my gal? How I miss all the bliss of her sweet hydraulic kiss. Has anybody seen my gal? Lovely shape, custom built Squeeze her wrong and she says tilt Has anybody seen my gal? She does the cutest tricks With her six stereo ears When she walks by, spacemen cry Especially when she shifts her gears If she's found, run like mad Put her on a launching pad Down at Cape Canaveral Supersonic beauty Send me back my Martian This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Major Tom 
your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Commencing countdown, engines on. Check ignition and make God's love be with you.
Passion Radio For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Well, hey, that wraps it up for the first week of the uh, of the new year, the first full week, anyway, of 2022 here on the Tom Sumner program. And I uh, want to say thanks to uh, all of my guests today, starting with uh, this last hour, talking with author Yoon Ha Lee from the Rick Riordan Presents series, uh, talking about his book, Tiger Honor. And before that, talking about second chance hiring with uh, banker and author Jeffrey Korzenik and uh, his book, Untapped Talent. And we started off talking about the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, kind of a, a reflection of 2021 and uh, a look ahead to 2022 with our go-to guy on all things SCOTUS. And that's, of course, uh, content, uh, constitutional law professor, Brendan Beery from the WMU Cooley Law School in Tampa, and uh, he was with me during the first hour of our three-hour tour. I had planned to talk with John Daly from the city of Flint, but we got the times screwed up. We're going to do a make good on that Monday, so tune in for that to hear how we're going to do infrastructure in the city of Flint with their representative, John Daly. That's coming up on Monday, plus lots more. Anyway, that's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories and letting me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room for the weekend. Do a little binge watching, a little reading, and all that kind of good stuff. But I'll be back Monday with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program, and I hope that you will be too. In the meantime, have a great weekend, and uh, be careful driving, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. program is a live variety show we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the flint area Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.